0: Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast channel for Impact Student Ministries, which is based out of Eubank Baptist Church in Eubank, Kentucky. We are all about discovering who Jesus is, discovering His purpose for us, and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place where you can catch up on past conversations from our Wednesday night worship experiences. To stay connected, you can follow us on Instagram at Youth. All one word, and on Facebook at Impact Student Ministries BC. Thank you for being part of the conversation, and let's keep discovering who Jesus is together. And just like last week, we are going to jump um, right into our conversation uh, for the night. And as we do this, I want to invite our Bible crew for the night, uh, our uh, Bible crew for the night, to so go ahead, um, go in the back, grab some Bibles, and and pass them out to the people. Um, that we have here in our student space, and as they're doing, listen, guys, as they're doing this, um, I want to uh, just say two things. I've done this the past um, handful of weeks, I, I, I want to tell you two things that that I really want you to hear. First thing is this: we are so glad that you are here. I never want anyone, whether it be a student or an adult, to come into this room and 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 to not hear how happy we are that you're here. That's the first thing. And the second thing, which is really even more important, is that everything that God has said in his word and that he'll say to us tonight is majorly important. In fact, it is the most important thing that happens tonight. And everything that I say is minorly important, which means that what I say is is not as important, not even close to as important as it is to what God has said. So that's why we pass out Bibles every single week, for people to have their own experience, to have um, the living, active Word of God in their hands. And once you have a Bible in your hands, uh, start making your way to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, and if you're using uh, one of our Bibles here from the student space, that is on page 477. Uh, Page 477, and tonight we're going to uh, continue working our way through chapter 2. Last week we started with chapter 2. Tonight we're going to finish chapter 2 by looking at the last nine verses um, within there. And as you're making your way there, page 477, Nehemiah chapter 2, I want to encourage you if you missed last week, um, go, go go to our podcast channel and listen to that message not because what I say is important not because what I say is, is so um, it's gonna majorly impact your life but but God is continually talking to us and uh, if you miss a day talking to your friends you might miss some things right so we don't want you to miss what God's saying and we have that podcast channel for you to go back and and maybe even to share it with your friends. Um, and if you, if, if you want that, it's, uh, it's called Impact Student Ministries. It has our logo, uh, so you'll see it. So go there, check it out. But as I said, we're going to continue uh, through chapter 2 tonight, and uh, just like last week, we're going to start reading, and we'll pause along the way um, as we come into these considerations, things that I want us to consider as we move into chapter 2, or move through chapter 2 in Nehemiah. So with that being said, uh, we're going to pick right back up from last week uh, by starting in verse 11, and we're going to read verses 11, 12, and and 13, okay? So Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11, 12, 13, it says says this. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal jackal well, and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. So pause there for a moment, because in these uh, three verses, we come uh, face-to-face with our first consideration tonight, which is this. Number one is this. God's vision comes with preparation. If You notice we're, we're, we're moving away from questions and we're moving into statements, but uh, number one, God's vision comes with preparation, as we continue uh, through Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, this is after he's been given permission by the king to leave and to go. Uh, we see him um, arrive in Jerusalem, and, a- and after being there for three days, Nehemiah takes a few people with him that he trusts and begins to examine the wall that ignited the burden in Nehemiah's heart back in chapter 1. If you remember in chapter 1, he was told, hey man, things back home are not good. And that created a burden, inside him that, that created a, a something inside him that, that he couldn't shake. And so we see this moment, he's, he's, he's finally here, and, he, and he, he begins to go look at the wall. There are two things that I don't want us to miss as we uh, just really unpack these first few verses. The first thing is this, that he begins to examine the wall at night. Okay? Now, why this is this important? Because during this time, uh, flashlights were not a thing. Okay, they didn't have headlamps, flashlights. So imagine uh, someone coming to and say, hey, listen, we're going to go check this building out in the complete darkness of night. Be a little weird, right? Because you can see more during the day, right? And so Nehemiah says, hey, listen, let's, let's leave at night. And again, flashlights are not a thing, but they probably have a torch with fire. Um, but let's be honest, a torch of fire um, is not as good as a flashlight, Right? If we had just torches of fire in this place, one, it would be dangerous for all you guys, right? But two, it would be even darker than this right now, right? Because there's nothing that compares to a good, old-fashioned, new batteries flashlight, right? So Nehemiah says, hey, listen, we're going to go outside in the dark and look at this wall and see what's going on. It would be uh, like going frog frog gigging without a good headlamp or powerful spotlight, right? Without a light, you're... Could land in a bad spot, right? Step in a hole, break your leg, those kind of things. And so Nehemiah's like, hey, listen, let's go outside. It's dark. We can't see anything. But let's go look. Let's, let's go uh, take a walk outside. And the second thing, so the first thing is that it's at night. The second thing that I don't, don't want to miss is that in these verses, Nehemiah had told no one about the vision yet. So Nehemiah got the vision in chapter 1. But in chapter 2, he still hasn't told anyone about what God had called him to do. In fact, it says, I had, told, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart. So at this point, he says, listen, come with me at night, and here's why. You ready for this? It's just a perfect, it's a perfect night for a good stroll with the moonlight. Now, probably that didn't kill off all the, all, all the curiosity, right? So, to this point, Nehemiah has told no one about the vision that God had placed in his heart, and some of us can't imagine the difficulty of doing that, because some of us, myself included, we are recovering gibber jabbers okay? Some of you are like, yep, that's, he's talking about you now. <laughs> I saw that, just saying. So, the second, so if, if you're a gibber jabber here's how you know. The second you're told something or you think something, you start thinking, okay, who can I tell next? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, who can I tell next? Who, who can I text right now and tell this to? And listen, if, if that's you, this is a safe and judgment-free space for all recovering or current jibber-jabbers, okay? So Nehemiah, he was not a jibber-jabber. He had this thing close to the chest and had, and had told no one about it. So what can we take away from this within the context of 2024? Let me answer uh, that, that question by recognizing something about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was willing to work through the preparation, not avoid it. Nehemiah was willing to work through the preparation and not avoid it. Could the same thing be said about you and me? Are we people... That are willing to work through the preparation or do we try to avoid it? Most people want to skip past the preparation and get straight to the result, right? I can remember when I was learning to play drums, I wanted to be as good as the guys on TV. And the reality is I I, I couldn't until I practiced, right, Luke? We can't be good until we practice, right? Most of us can't. I can't. And so are you someone that's that's willing to work through the preparation, or do you want to skip right ahead to the end? Students who have a personal relationship with Jesus see how their schools and families need Jesus, but they don't want to work through the preparation of being developed by God to be personally involved to bring about that change. It's their job. Priority kids, first priority, they can do it. It's, it's their job. Adults, adults want to have the, perf- the perfect family, the perfect job, but they don't want to work through the preparation in the small moments or seasons of waiting as God prepares them fully to, be the, to have the perfect family or the perfect job. Listen, I know now, when I first started ministry, if I, if, if I got what I wanted, man, I would not be here today. Because what I wanted, I was not prepared for. And some of you all want what you're not prepared for. Some of you all want things that you're not ready for. You think you are. Everything says that you are. Your mind says you are. Your friends say you are, but the reality is you're not. Christians, let's, let's talk about Christians for a minute, okay? Christians want to experience the full and abundant life promised in John 10, 10, right? I've come to give them life and life abundantly. But they don't want to work through the preparation of saying no to themselves every single day and saying yes to God every single day, right? We, we, we want that full life, right? But we don't want to say no to ourselves, <laughs> And so we we don't want to work through the preparation, but yet Nehemiah, he shows us something. Nehemiah's life shows us that a time of preparation is a time to become more aligned with God's vision. This vision that Nehemiah got back in chapter 1, it came from God placing it on his heart. And so when we have this, this moment, this time of preparation, it, it gives us the chance if, if, we, if we take it, that is, to become to become more aligned with God's vision that he gives us. So God's vision uh involves more than just preparation, right? You're like, thank goodness, right? Because I don't want to go through the work of preparation, but there's more, okay? So let, let's let's pick back up in our, in, in our text by reading through verses 14 and 15. Okay, so again, Nehemiah, he gets there, he goes to travel and to see, and then we get to verse 14. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. So as we continue uh, working through this text, Nehemiah 2, we see uh, that he comes to a roadblock, comes to a moment where he has to decide, will I keep going? Or will I say, well, I tried, didn't see this one coming, I gave all my effort, I tried God, and I'm gonna go back home. So he has to decide, well, what what will I do with this moment? More than likely, he had he had encountered some rubble from the destroyed wall, and that him and his donkey or whatever he was riding couldn't get through. And we see in verse 15 that he goes a different direction to accomplish the preparation for God's wisdom because, he, he, listen, Nehemiah knew that until he could tell the people what the vision was, he had to understand the vision first. He had to prepare the vision first. It'd be like me saying, all right, guys, um, here is our next big trip for, for you guys. He ask me questions, well, well where's it at? What's going to happen? And I say, I, I don't know. You'd probably be like, yes, that's an awesome trip. Your parents are like, no, (laughs) right? So Nehemiah knew, listen, before I can communicate this to people, I have to know myself what's going on, what what God has planned through this. So as we think about this moment through the the context and lens of 2024, I want you to picture a speed bump, okay? You got, got it there? Yeah? Okay. So according to Southern Asphalt Engineering... The main purpose of a speed bump is to slow people down. <laughs> Talking news, right? They go on to say that it is strategically placed that can hinder speeding vehicles before crossings, entrances and exits, sharp turns, etc. So another way to put this is slow down or else. Okay? Now this or else, let me just tell you what it is. Okay? This or else is that instead of looking as cool as the cars in Fast and Furious, Okay, you look more like broke as a joke because your car is in the shop. Yeah, because your car is not meant to speed over the speed bumps, right? Here's the cool thing. Here, here, here's the interesting thing. Well I so as, as as many experienced drivers would say, if you've been driving for more than five minutes, you know this. There are times when the speed bumps we encounter seem more inconvenient than helpful, right? Well, it's going to slow me down. I can't get there fast enough, so it seems more inconvenient than anything else. The same thing can happen to us spiritually. As a Jesus follower, God gives that person a vision with the intention of that person being directly involved. And along the way, that person encounters an unexpected problem an unexpected inconvenience, a speed bump, and they have to decide, what will I do next? What if Nehemiah would say, said, listen, I tried. I can't get through. I can't see the rest of it. I tried. Y'all on your own. I'm going back to my place where, where I was in really good seating. I'm, I'm good. I tried. Like, like What if Nehemiah would have allowed the excuse to become his God? Some of you guys allow the excuse to become your God. You'd rather serve the excuse... You'd rather believe that I can't do this, I can't get through it, I can't make it through, I can't do this, I can't do it. So you you, you make that excuse become your God, but yet God says, listen, just go and I got you. There are a lot of verses in the Bible that say God will not leave us. In fact, in both Old Testament and New Testament, the Bible says that God will never leave us or forsake us. Both places he says that. So when we come to these spiritual speed bumps, we can do one of three things. You have three options, okay? Option one, you slow down and you lean into it. Option two, you try to speed up and possibly cause more trouble. Or you can decide to avoid it and go a different direction. So what's your typical response? When you come to those moments of, well, didn't see this one coming. (laughs) Wasn't expecting that one to happen. Wasn't expecting this conversation to what Wasn't expecting this to happen. What do you do with that? Do you, do you just let that become who you follow, what you follow? Or do you ask God what to do? Because here's a really cool thing. All throughout Nehemiah, he prays a lot. In fact, there is, I believe, 12 chapters in Nehemiah, and there are 13 prayers recorded. So Nehemiah prayed a lot that we know of. Okay. Cuz so I'm going to guess there, there there was more that happened in his life other than Nehemiah. So he he prayed a lot. As we again as we see in verse 15, Nehemiah decided to slow down and lean into the unexpected problem, the inconvenience and the speed bump. Just like a physical speed bump is meant to slow a vehicle down, a spiritual speed bump is meant to slow us down and keep us aligned with God's vision. Because you know, if you drive over, over a speed bump with your car going sixty miles an hour, your car's going to become messed up. your 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 car will not run the same. Your car will not will not sound the same. Your car will not will not fulfill its purpose. And the same happens with us when when we just rush to the speed bumps, our spiritual speed bumps. If we are not careful, if we can become unaligned with God's will for us. So when it comes to God's vision, there's preparation, but there's one more thing that comes with it that we can see in Nehemiah's life experience so far in these verses. So let's, let's finish working through chapter 2 by reading verses. We're going we're to jump down to verse 17 because verse 16 just says that again, to this point, no one knew what Nehemiah was doing. <laughs> Literally nobody knew. So we're going to jump down to verse 17 and finish it out all the way to verse 20. So Nehemiah 2, verse 17 through 20 says this, Then I said to them, you see, the trouble we're in, Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king has said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Samballat the Hornite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing? They asked. Are you trembling, are, are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Since so we come to these uh, last couple of verses uh, we see Nehemiah, he he, he gathers the people, he, he finally brings them in. And when I picture this, I, I, I kind of picture him giving a Captain America speech. Now, if you've seen any of the movies, you know that when Captain America gives a speech, it is good, right? Like, you're not there, but you're like, I'm ready to go where he's going, right? Like, he gives some really good speeches, right? Like, I'm ready to give, like, my everything for him, right? And so, Nehemiah gives this Captain America speech, and it and, and it's so good that it energizes them and gets them pumped up because here's the reality. They already knew how bad off they were. This wasn't like a oh my goodness, we're we're bad off, really? No, they knew that. But it wasn't until and said, Hey, listen guys, you're in rough shape. You need to do something about that. So the speech is so good that he Gets them to come behind him, they all, um, they're all they energized, they're pumped up, and they all become um, a part of this vision that God gave Nehemiah. And the moment they begin to work, the opposition gears back up with even more force and more people. In chapter 1, it was just two people, now it's three people. However, Nehemiah was ready for it. Nehemiah was not surprised by the opposition. Nehemiah was not surprised. Oh, hey, you're back again? What? No, he knew they were going to come back. So, for a few moments, can we look at this through the, the, lens of, the lens of 2024 while also recognizing a few things from this text? In verse 17, Nehemiah challenges the people to take an honest look at where they are and how bad things are. He says, Listen, you guys are in rough shape. Right now, our country. We're known more by disgrace than anything else. It is bad. So Nehemiah says, hey, listen, check. Pretty much check yourself before you wreck yourself, okay? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. See, I know things. I know things. And so Nehemiah says, hey, listen, 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 guys. It's bad. Like, check where you are right now. And let's be honest. That can be a difficult thing to do, can it? Like, it's bad enough. When, like, you think, man, things are pretty rough. And it's bad enough when you think, man, I got some stuff going on. But then it gets, like, worse when your friends who are also messed up, like, you say, hey, "Hey, listen, you're not doing good, buddy. Like, it's bad when your friends who are messed up just like you, they have their problems, their issues, but they say, hey, listen, you're not doing good. That's tough, right? Does someone want to hear that? Like, when you open your Valentine's card today, do you want to read, dear... Dear Luke, you're right there. Dear Luke, you are rough, man. You need some help, dude. Like, no one wants to read that, right? If you read that, you'd be like, all right, it's going down. We're fighting right now, right? But no one wants to hear it. It's tough to realize that we are in a bad shape. And when we encounter moments like this, we can, again, do one of three things. We can lean into it. We can avoid it or we can hide from it. Adam and Eve, you know who they are, right? First people in the Bible, very beginning of the Bible, very beginning of the time, they hid from their sin. They messed up and they hid like, they, they hid from God. Think about that. They were, they were so far in their sin, they hid from the creator of the universe. You will always lose, hide, seek for God, okay? Every time. So they hid from it, And then later on, this guy named Eli, who was a priest, he had some pretty terrible sons (laughs) that were doing bad things, and he ignored that. He said, ah, I can't see that, right? So you can hide from it, you can avoid it, or you can do what Nehemiah did. You can encourage yourself to lean into it. For us in 2024, we have to recognize where we are and how bad things are without God, because... Until we realize that, until we realize just how much we need God, we will never fully understand or experience his gospel. As long as you think that you're good enough without Jesus, as long as you think that you're enough, you will never be able to understand or fully experience the gospel of God. That's why the gospel says that without Jesus... We are separated from God because of our sin and failed attempts to completely follow God's word. We, are, we desperately need a Savior to stand in the gap for us. You know why? Because you can't do it. doesn't matter how, how, how smart, strong, funny, skilled, gifted you are. You cannot stand in the gap enough for yourself. So what happens? Let me ask you this. What happens when that challenge moves from being inside of you with your own voice, but then it becomes outside voices? It becomes your friends or your families or your sports teams. What happens when that challenge moves from being inside of you to being around you? It's, it's, it's difficult enough being inside of us, right? But when it's around us, that's a different kind of difficulty. In verse 19, we see the challenge... Come from the people outside and around the exiles. Again, these people say, Hey, listen, what are you doing? And, and later on, and we'll get this but later on in Nehemiah, they, they go as far as to say, Hey, listen, a small fox would walk on that wall and break it. Like you want to talk about weak. A small fox could break your wall down. And so these people, they are they come with full force. As much as they possibly have and listen, it gets much worse as, as the book goes on. Okay, this is like their opening act. Like, they're like, okay, if, if this won't work, wait till later on. <laughs> then you'll see what's gonna happen. There's a good probability, a good possibility that there are people right now in this room online, maybe listening to the podcast, listening to this conversation, who would say that they are feeling or experiencing challenge. You won't admit it. You won't talk about it, but when you're home by yourself and all, and all your friends are gone, all the social media is gone, all the power's turned off, and it's just you and your heart and your mind, you know, you say, yeah, man, that's not, a, that's not a fun place to be for me. That's why I go to my phone so often. That's, that's why I have so many friends around. That, that's why I have so many electronics around me, because that way I can hide from my stuff that's going on. So some of us would say, listen, I'm in that place right now. Whether it be from themselves, yourselves, or from people around you, you feel it. If that's you, can I can I tell you three words that will drastically change your experience? God is enough. That's all you need. That's all you need. God is enough. It doesn't matter if you are experiencing challenge or difficulty from worry, doubt, peer pressure, grief loss anxiety depression lust or whatever else it could possibly be god is enough when you say those words watch what happens when you say god that god's you're enough and i'm not watch what the enemy does watch him run so quickly from you because god is enough Nehemiah recognized this in verse 18 and verse 20. Go back there, verse 18. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And in verse 20, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. So Nehemiah is telling the people that God is the solution and response to the challenge. If you go back to number three, we said that there's going to be challenges. We've been there, but here's the solution. You ready? God is enough pretty simple solution, isn't it? How, how often can we overcomplicate things? All of us, right? For us in 2024, this is why God's gospel says that Jesus is the answer to our sin problem. His death and resurrection finished it. Jesus is the Savior that, I, that we need to stand in the gap for us. He is strong enough. He is powerful enough. He made you. You don't surprise him. You don't scare him. And he loves you. He wants to be involved with you. And he will defend for you and fight for you right now if you'll let him. As we end this conversation, can I tell you God's vision and heart for every single person in this, that's on this planet, no matter what their story has been or will be, God's vision and heart for every person is that they would personally know Jesus and continually grow with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus to begin a relationship with you. You've known about him. You've come to church events and church things, but you've never asked him to begin a relationship with you. You've known about him, but you don't know him personally. You have never acknowledged him as your Savior. Listen, if that's you, I just want you to worry about that tonight. That's it. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about what's happening later, after this. Dinner. No, just worry about that. If you're not right with Jesus, worry about that because that is the most important thing. That is why we gather here every single Wednesday. As they lead one more song, I want to be over here, and I would love to talk with you, pray with you, whatever you want. We'll stay here all night if we have to because I want you to not leave this place without getting it right with Jesus. But maybe, let, let me talk to the ones who, who know him personally. You've made that decision, you've, you've made that confession, you've been following him for X amount of years, but you haven't been quite as focused on growing with Jesus. Listen, it's possible to know him personally, but not grow with him spiritually. It's possible to know him, to have that relationship, to have that commitment, to, to, to be saved, to go into the waters of baptism, but then to do nothing with that. It's possible, it happens all the time. So maybe you're here and you've been more focused on growing personally, relationally, academically, athletically. Uh, you've been working on growing online, maybe a digital presence, whatever it is, but growing spiritually has been less of a priority for you. You haven't really cared much about praying or being at church outside of, a, outside of, of an event, or maybe you haven't worshiped on your own. Listen, worship's not just happen on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Worship should happen every single day. You know why? Because worship is a lifestyle, not a worship experience. Okay? So maybe that's you. Maybe you would say, listen, Aaron, you're right. You're right. I've, I've, I haven't been paying much to, much attention to my spiritual health. Maybe you need God to change something in you and around you to realign your priorities with his. Again, I, I believe that, that Nehemiah, he was, he was on that path. I mean, again, there were 12... Sorry, thirteen books, fourteen prayers. So fourteen. So thirteen books and fourteen prayers. I misquoted that that before. So I had to believe Nehemiah. He was he was sold for his spiritual health. He was sold and growing in that. If that's you, listen. I want to pray with you too. Okay. I I'll, I I'll, I'll, I'll want to pray with anyone, not just the ones who need Jesus, but the ones who need to come back to Jesus. So whether you need to pray about knowing Him personally or praying about continuing to grow with Him spiritually. I'll be over there. The stage will be open for you to pray. If you want to, pray by yourself, pray with friends, whatever you got to do. But don't leave this moment, don't leave knowing that there is still something left for you to do. Because not to scare you, but you're not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised tomorrow. No one is. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. And I pray right now, God, that I don't know what conversations you're having. I don't know what decisions people need to make. But God, I know that when you speak, God, you want us to move. You want us to respond. So I pray right now, God, that whatever the conversation is, that you would just move, that you would speak. I pray that if there is just one person, even one that needs to know you personally, that that would happen right now. That they would come to me or come to an adult and ask, Hey, okay, how can I do this? How, how can I make this happen for me? God, I want to pray for the ones who need to know you more who 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 need to grow with you God I pray that whatever their uh life looks like God that if you need to change something God change it God move something out move someone move something out of the way God I pray that whatever the conversation is God that you would have it with us that we would that we would be obedient and responsive to you father we love you we thank you for Jesus we ask all this in his name amen.